living in community. You know, there's been an emphasis the last few weeks about our need to, to, to exist in community. So this morning I thought I would share some thoughts about community, come at it from maybe a little bit different angle. We're gonna start in Genesis 1. Come on. It's not working, come on, please. All right, it's not gonna work for me. But I need these slides, so let's see, what can I do? I'm going to be stuck. If, I, if this doesn't work, I'm in trouble. <laughs> okay, so bring up to the first slide in the... There we go. We're created in God's image. Genesis 1.27, and it's interesting... Look how he puts it. So God created man in his own image, a single person, right? Or perhaps that word man might also be translated mankind. So it's all of us that he's created. But it goes from the singular immediately in the same breath. He created him in the image of God, created one, right? And in the same breath, he created them, male and female. The two ideas are juxtaposed. When God creates us in his image, he creates us first as individuals, but then somehow, somehow as part of a community, somehow joined together. Man doesn't exist alone, it has to be man and woman. There has to be a joining between the two somehow for mankind to be what it's gonna be. How many of you have heard of Rabbi Zacharias? Yeah, he does a wonderful radio ministry. Um, all right, these trees are in the way here. I've got to move the trees. Is that better? Can you see it a little better? No. Just leave it there. All right, we got the moving crew in. Thank you, guys. First John, the second verse here comes from First John. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love, that's the point. It doesn't say God has love for us. This is Ravi Zechariah's argument. He doesn't say God has love for us. He says God is love. See, the issue with love is that a simple, single individual can't really know love, right? Love, if it's gonna be genuine, has to, have, has to involve another besides the first person. 
There has to be someone to sacrifice for. There has to be someone to give to. A giver and a givee, a receiver. Right? A speaker and a listener. There's at least two involved if love is going to be genuine and real. And it says God, not just that he has love, but that he is love. So Rabbi Zechariah's point is, look, the fact that God is love, that means that God is more than one somehow. He has to be, or he can't be love. It's a hint at the existence of the Trinity, that within the one God, there is the Father who loves the Son and the Spirit. There is the Son who loves the Father and the Spirit. And there is the Spirit who loves the Father and the Son. You see, God is love. One God and yet more than one somehow. That mystery of the Trinity, how does it work? And I put these verses together because I want you to look at the, the first part of Genesis 1.27. God created man in his own image. We're like him. And then this verse from 1 John shows what God is like, how he exists in Trinity as an individual and somehow in a community within the, the three persons of the Trinity. So if we're like him, we're meant to, to show those elements within our lives too, within our existence. We're individuals, each one created, and yet meant somehow to be part of community. We were created not just one man, but a man and a woman. Now that extends beyond the idea, okay, so man and woman, you get the idea of a family, right? And a, and a fam, uh, family having children. But we don't have to cut it off there and say that's all that God meant. When he talks about us having, being in community, he's talking about us together here, coming together to do things together. And it's more, we're gonna see as we look at some further scriptures this morning, it's more than just uh, coming together. Coming together isn't enough. There's more to being community than just gathering. Just sitting in the same room doesn't make us community. Doesn't have to anyway. Okay, can you go ahead? All right. To act autonomous, autonomously is oftentimes to sin. When we choose to do our own thing, many times we get ourselves in trouble. We miss the mark that God wants from us. This verse comes from the story, the Israelites have marched through the desert. They're just about to cross the Jordan to enter the promised land. And as they've been on their journeys, sometimes they followed the commands that God had given, sometimes they hadn't. They kind of got things messed up. So here's one of the last things that Moses wants to say to them as they're about to go in. Turn to the place the Lord your God chooses from all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling and go there. Bring there your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and personal contributions, your vow offerings, free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. You will eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice with your household in everything you do because the Lord your God has blessed you. Okay, that's what they're supposed to do. And then the last part is what I want to draw your attention to. You are not to do as we are doing here today. Everything, everyone is doing what seems right in his own sight. 
That's a verse. That last part of that verse gets repeated in several times. Some, some of the worst parts of Israel's history, when they're missing the mark by a country mile, God says this verse or something very like it. Everyone is doing what seems right in his own sight. We act autonomously. We decide what's right and what's wrong. And then based on our own decisions, we take action. And we miss it. They'd been worshiping God the way they felt was good, each one, as they marched through the desert. But as they come into the promised land, Moses reminds us that God's got a place where you should worship. God's got offerings, and they should be done, made in a, in a right way. Not just haphazard, not just what you think is best. Doing my best alone is not what God wants. He, he wants me to be part of community so that I share my thoughts with you, you share your thoughts with me, and as all together we work motivated by the Holy Spirit, the goal is that we come to do God's will in the place where we commonly live together. We share community. I've got another example of this sort of thing, if you could give me the next page. It's a story that comes out of the book of Judges, I believe. Yeah, Judges 17. A man had gone on a journey with his wife, and he goes to the tribe of Benjamin. And while he's there, um, the people of the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin come to his home, come to the home where he's staying, and they demand that he come out. They want him to come out because they said they want to have sex with him. And the man at whose house he's staying doesn't let him out, but he sends the man's wife out instead. And they gang rape her overnight and kill her. He leaves. The man who takes his dead, uh, the dead body of his wife. He leaves, goes home. He cuts his body's wife up into 12 parts and sends one part to each tribe of Benjamin, uh, to each tribe of Israel. And says, this, what, this is what Benjamin did to my wife. So the tribes get together and they say, Benjamin's done a horrible sin. We can't let this stand. So all the other tribes of Israel gather together against Benjamin. And they destroy all the women. They destroy the property. Some of the men they let live. So now Benjamin's caught. After they do this, then they repent of what they did. They acted as a group, but they did not act in community. They never sought God for his opinion about what should we do about this problem that we're facing. They decided what was best for themselves. They went out and they destroyed Benjamin. So then afterwards they repent. Now they're sorry that they've done it. And what are we gonna do for our brothers in Benjamin? They have no future. We've, we've destroyed their property, their land. We've burnt their land. We've killed their women. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna provide for them? So they come up with this plan together. They're gonna to have to throw this big party and they're going to invite the men who survived from Benjamin to come to the party. And then they're going to turn their backs and look the other way. See, they made a vow. They wouldn't help Benjamin anymore. So they couldn't actively do something for Benjamin. So they're trying to find a way to keep their word, not help Benjamin, but at the same time, help Benjamin out. So they throw this party. They invite the men of Benjamin. And they invite their own women from their own tribes. And they look the other way when the, peop when the men from Benjamin take a woman to be their wife and goes back to their tribal property 
in the tribe of Benjamin. Neat idea, right? They can have it both ways. They can keep their word. They didn't actually send their daughters to go live with these men from Benjamin, but they managed to provide a wife having killed all the women that were in in Benjamin. They make a wife for the men who are left. It's a terrible plan. It's not what God wanted. You you go to the book of Judges, you read this story, it's like chapter 14 through 17, and at the very end, verse 6 here, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what seemed right to him. Time and again, that same idea. People working individually, trying to fix a problem without seeking God, without seeking community to find the way forward. And it winds up in destruction. It winds up terribly. When you act alone, when you find yourself with a problem and you decide you're going to fix it, you're setting yourself up for failure. We are meant to exist with one another and for one another. Can you bring up the next one? Okay, that's the end of the story there with Benjamin. Okay, the next one. We are finished now. Okay. Finding strength and purpose. Part of the reason God gives us community is that we can understand what about it, find fulfillment in ourselves, in the community that God gives us with one another. So this is taken from Ecclesiastes. This is poetry, Hebrew poetry. <clears throat> Notice the one form of poetry is a build up in number. It starts with one, the number one you're going to see. Then you'll see the number two pop up a bunch of times in here. And then the number three ends this part of uh, this section of Ecclesiastes. There is a person without a companion, without even a son or brother, and though there is no end to all his struggles, his eyes are still not content with riches. Who am I struggling for, he asks, depriving myself of good things. This too is futile. It's a miserable task. Okay, so that was about one. The next sections are about two. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. If either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. And then finally, the capstone with three. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That last one you probably remember. You've probably heard that somewhere before. You see the progression. It's not meant to end with three. Right? That's a, it's a poetic form. That's how Hebrew, one way Hebrew poetry works. This building up, increasing the number. But he could have gone on and talked about four working together, and five, and six, and 20, and 50. You get the picture? Meant to be in connection, supporting, helping one another. That's what church is supposed to be, all directed by the Spirit of God. Not just a group of people like like the tribes of Israel deciding first to destroy Benjamin and then to try to help them. Not Not our own best ideas, but all of us coming together to support one another as we collectively seek the mind of God to become strong together, to do life together. That's what God is looking for, hoping for in our lives, planning for. 
That's how we were made in his image, to be part, to be individuals, and yet to be community, both. Either one alone is only part of the picture. Can you go ahead? Here's an interesting verse out of <clears throat> Proverbs. Counsel in a, in a person's heart is deep water, but a person of understanding draws it out. Here's a good use for community. Sometimes I get in trouble. Something happens maybe to one of my family, one of my brothers or my wife. <clears throat> and because I'm so intimately, closely involved with these people, my understanding of what's gone and my understanding of what I should do can get clouded, right? I'm angered by the fact that someone I love has been hurt somehow by someone else. And I want justice. And maybe I think that means someone else needs to pay the price. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. When we get in trouble, we, the problem with dealing with it alone is all you got is your own two eyes to see. All you have is your one mind to understand the problem. It's in a time and a place like that if you have a trusted Christian brother or sister that you can go to. See, so maybe I know. You know, I'm in a bad spot, I'm in a tough spot, and I know what God would want, right? I know he wants me to forgive. I know he wants me to help the one who sinned against me, right? That's, that's what he's looking to do. He's looking to bless all of us. But I could get, like as I said, I could get caught up in me and just want revenge, just want a way out. Another brother can come along and help me to see past my blocks, past, past my prejudices in the situation. Help me to understand that there's a bigger picture here, that God's allowed what's happened to happen for a purpose, not to torture me and my loved ones, but maybe somehow in a, in a bigger picture to turn into a blessing for me, for the ones I love, and for the one who sinned against me. And a counselor can come along and draw that out. Someone who has understanding, who knows the mind of God and knows how God works, can help me to see the bigger picture when my circumstances box me in and try to lock me to only see a small part of what's really going on. As community, we have the opportunity to share life. That means sharing pain. You know, a pain shared is cut in half, and a joy shared is doubled with someone who really understands and really rejoices when you rejoice and really hurts when you hurt. A good counselor. Another good reason to live in community is that God commands us to do it. Like it or not, in the book of Hebrews he says, let's watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need one another to keep one another on the straight and narrow. I'm, you know, if, if I'm alone and I'm tempted to do something, remembering that I'm impacting my, my, my brothers, I'm, I, what, what I do impacts you. What you do impacts me. Nobody lives in a little shell on an island somewhere 
totally isolated. The Spirit of God always knows what's happening. And what I do, whether alone or in community, it affects me, and that's going to affect you. So I need to live a godly life because my life is part of your life, affects your life, and vice versa. You need to be aware of what you're doing. It isn't, it most definitely is about you and God, right? How you live your life. But don't close it off there. God didn't create one person to be with God. He created man and woman. He created community, us in community, to be with him. We live in community. We survive together or we fall individually. That's the choice. That's the real choice that it comes down to. I think I got one more. One more slide. Actually, it's another after this, but we'll stay here for a minute. Community is good and pleasant. One of my favorite Psalms in the Old Testament is 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And it is a good thing to know you're part of something bigger than you. It adds value to you to be part of community. It gives you a reason for being. Look, this is an, here's another <clears throat> form of poetry. In the first verse, he presents the major theme he wants to talk about. This idea of the, the, the beauty and the fullness of life that there is in life shared in community. And then he compares it. The rest of the, uh, the psalm, verses two and three, are meant to show... Uh, what it's like when we live in community. In verse two, he says, it's like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his robes. Oil's expensive in the day, right? So this is an extravagance. Oil was, you took one drop if you had a, you know, maybe you lived in a desert environment, many of, of the Israelites, right? Harsh, windy, dry, cracked skin is part of life. You need oil to rub in and to soothe that. And it was expensive, so you took a drop on your finger and maybe you, you worked it in to where the sore was, you know? So here in the psalm, here's that picture. Only now we're not just sparingly taking one drop. We take the bottle and it's poured out on Aaron's head. And the oil drips down. It runs through his beard. It's wasted, kind of like Mary wasted the uh, perfume when she anointed Jesus' body. You remember the story when Jesus is um, at the Pharisee's house and, and Judas gets all upset that they wasted this, could have been sold for so much money. But Jesus says, leave her on. She's anointing my body for burial. There are times when it is good to be extravagant. And what is usually used one drop at a, at a time ought to be poured out. That's what community is. It is, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, right? In the Old Testament, it's the Spirit of God poured out in abundance. That's what unity between brothers is like. That's the picture we're supposed to get. It's God's extravagant gift, expensive, costly gift poured out on us to make us whole, to make us well. And then he gives a third picture in the last verse. Like dew from Mount Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life evermore. So you get the picture. 
the dew, of, you know, a cold night on a mountain. Everything's dried up. But in the morning, the dew refreshes the ground. And it just comes out of nowhere, right? Again, an abundance to water the ground, to refresh the ground, to bring wholeness. That's what community is supposed to do. And it's supposed to produce, in the end, what God is looking for, eternal life. See, because if you think you're a loner, you're going you're to be miserable when you get to heaven, I promise you. Because there's going to be crowds of people all together worshiping together. Heaven is about community as much as this life is supposed to be. That's why we're encouraged to be together. The Trinity has always been together, and we will be with them. And I think from God's point of view, the more the merrier. You know? He wants us there with him. He wants us to share in who he is, in what he is. He made us that way. He created us male and female, more than one. Meant to be together. You're not enough unto yourself. We need one another to be whole. In the last slide, many of the Psalms <clears throat> were meant for a particular purpose. Um, this Psalm, you notice the beginning up there in the English part says, a song of ascents. Uh, the idea was, some of the Psalms were meant to be sung as you climbed up Mount uh, Zion going to the Passover feast. You were supposed to make um, your pilgrimage to the Passover, right? To be celebrated in Jer Jerusalem. Every Jew is encouraged to do that at least once in their lifetime. And in the day, it meant walking with a, some kind of beast of burden that's carrying all your supplies and the offering you're going to bring to the Sabbath for your family and yourself. So you're walking along up these roads, Mount Zion, right? Jerusalem's on top of a mountain. So at the end, you ascended the mountain. That's why they called it a psalm of ascents. It was people ascending the mountain together to go to Passover together. And you were meant to sing these songs. It was meant to, re the song enforces, reinforces community, the, the coming together. That's what we did this morning before I started this fiasco with falling Christmas trees and everything else. When we sang together, Together, we worship God. That is not the same as staying at home, sitting at your table, and singing to God. You can do that. That's a good thing. I hope you do worship God in your homes. But coming together, we do it as a community. And you, meet, you hear me sing with you. And together, we find more purpose, more joy, more worship of the Lord as a community. That's what it's meant to be. That's what the psalm is meant to be. Now, this psalm, um, I put the Hebrew underneath. I know some of you here can read it. Uh, there are some people in this congregation that know the Hebrew. Um, so I put it underneath for those that know it. I'm gonna try to sing it for you. I, I listen sometimes to Jewish um, um, messianic music on the internet. There are several channels where you can hear these psalms sung the way Jews sing them today. Um, so, uh, before I sing, I apologize for what I'm about to do to your eardrums. I, I will try to stay on key, but that's not my big thing. 
what I want you to do, imagine this, this, this tune is a traditional one. Have you ever been to a Jewish wedding or a bar mitzvah or something? And you see how, the, you know, they stand in a circle, right? And you lock arms, and then you kind of walk sideways, like in front and then behind. They do that kind of thing, you know, and you got a little kick in there. I, I, I can't walk and chew gum, so I ain't going to try to do the dance part. But I want you to see in your mind's eye what's happening. This is how they sing it. It's a time of joy. It's a time of refreshing. It's a time of bonding with brothers, with family, with, with communal group, with the church, with the synagogue. Okay? Now this is just, it's just the first line here. Hine matovu manaim. Behold how present, how good and how pleasant. Shevet achim gam yahad. When brothers dwell together in unity. One line, and it just repeats and repeats. That's very typical. It's what we do, right? We sing these, these, these songs that we sing when we worship. They're not pages and pages of different lyrics. It's just a couple of lines meant to be repeated so that we dwell on what we're saying, so that we remind one another of the goodness of God in music. That's what we're doing. We are being together as a group the way we were meant to be, Worshiping God together. That's what, that's what this song is. Okay, so I'll try. Hine matovu manaim Shevet achim gam yahad 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 Hine matovu manaim Shevet achim gam yahad Hine matov Hine matov, can you see him? Yeah. Hine matovu manaim. Hine matov, hine matov, hine matovu manaim. We need to be brothers and sisters. We need to live in community, not just come and sit in a room. I'm warmer chair for an hour on a Sunday morning. We're going to be presenting as a, as a church body groups. We're going to be trying to start individual groups that can get together. It's hard for a group this large to get together and worship together and become intimate with one another, good friends with one another. But in smaller groups, seven or eight, it's possible. We can build those friends. The kinds of counsel that we talked about that happens in community can happen for us where we can grow together and worship God alone but then worship God with friends that you know they know you and you know them and you support them and they support you you know somebody's got your back there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother right right the Lord is there with you he's part of that community and he wants to reach you through one another through us. So let's close our sermon this morning with a prayer, then we'll do our communion. Father, we thank you for who you are and for what you do. We thank you that you have made us community. You make us as individuals and yet you make us with a need, a missing part that is only fulfilled, only met when we come together when we make real community where you are sought as the leader. It's not just our thoughts together, that's not enough. Community is more than just a group. It's a group where you, by your spirit, 
are indwelling and speaking to and speaking through the members of that group. So Lord, we ask that you would have our, your way in our hearts and in our lives. Father, our, our goal, our desire is to be like you, to know you, to be what you created us to be and to live that out in all the fullness that it can have. Lord, I look forward. I thank you for what you've been doing in our community and I look forward to what you're going to do, what more still lies ahead for us as a body. Be in this place and continue what you've started, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.